Increase our capacity to listen and learn from your word. Increase our love for your gospel message. Amen. Our text for today comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. Please rise for the reading of the word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'll begin reading at verse 23. For I received from the Lord what also what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. My blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God will stand forever. Amen. Please be seated. The title of this message is The Holy Supper. The topic, the Lord's Supper, a sacred institution for the unification of the Church of Christ. I propose that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26, Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ, describes the institution of the Lord's Supper because the Lord's Supper is a sacred institution. How can we fully understand all this? Well, we can begin by looking at the following three points. Point number one, because the Lord's Supper is a sacred institution, God prohibits any profane use of it. That is, any profane use of the Lord's Supper. Point number two, because the Lord's Supper is a sacred institution, God encourages the sacred use of the Lord's Supper. Point number three, because the Lord's Supper is God's sacred institution, Christians rightly administer the Lord's Supper. Amen? Now, without further introduction, let us move into the message of God. Because the Lord's Supper is God's sacred institution, God, as I said earlier, forbids any profane use of the Lord's Supper. Now, what we need to do is we need to go to our text. And what I'll try to do is I'll try to tease out my reason for this. Let us go over to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Let's look over there for a moment. I believe over in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we'll see that 
Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, is writing, first of all, to Christians. He's writing to Christians in Corinth. And it is my belief that there are problems in Corinth. Some of the problems in Corinth were issues that were dealing with the public worship, the public worship of God. Now, at 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 1, beginning at, again, verse 2, we see here Paul says to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, this Lord in ours. He's writing to Christians, I'm confident of, based upon this passage right here. And it carries over into our passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. The purpose of this letter, I'm convinced of also, is an appeal for the unity of the public worship and church, the public church. It's an appeal for the unity of its worship service. Now, we must understand that because he's writing to Christians, we can take from this the implication that he's not writing to those who do not believe. He's not writing to, he's not writing to those, specifically to those who have been sanctified in Christ, that is, joined with Christ. He's writing to those individuals who have been united in Christ by God. And they received this by faith, the faith which was given to them by God. Amen? Now, let's go back over to our passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And what we will see here again is there is a problem with the administration of the Lord's Supper. And it causes us to take, it should cause us to take time to reflect on Paul's message here. Especially being that this coming Lord's Sunday, uh, we will be, uh, or not this coming Sunday, but here in the near future, we will be partaking of the Lord's Supper. And um, for many of us, this is our first time partaking of the Lord's Supper. So this is one of the reasons why I, I picked this passage. It sort of help us to get our minds and our hearts set and ready for the Lord's Supper. Now, in verse 11, let's look at, I'm sorry, chapter 11, verse, verse 11. Let's look at that for a moment. In the Lord, verse 11, chapter 27. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That right there is a warning. It is a warning to all those who will be participating in the Lord's Supper. 
is, is warning us. We don't want to partake of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. That is, we want to partake of the Lord's Supper in a way that, you know, we, we need to take it seriously. We, we need to come and we need to have our hearts set on the things of God. Our hearts, our hearts set on honoring Him, glorifying Him. The chief end of man is the glorification of God. And I think we all agree on that here. And so when we come to the Lord's Supper, we want to come cautiously. We want to come, and we want to come with a repentant heart. A heart that has been properly reflecting on our sins before God. Paul, over in Romans, makes it clear that all have sinned. And fallen short of the glory of God. All brothers mean all. That's including us. Those who are joined with Christ. Because we don't want to get off track and think that just because we are joined with Christ. That that automatically, um, how can I say it? And I've got to be very, very careful here. I say things. Because sometimes... You know, there are members here who, you know, are sensitive about these matters. But we, we, we don't want to take for granted our salvation in Christ Jesus. That is true. But we also want to keep in mind that here, in this life as we know it, especially right now, we as Christians, we still have to battle with the old nature. Our old nature which causes us at times to do things which are sin against God. And so we, we want to check ourselves. We want to look at our lives and make sure that, you know, we're living a life that is reflective of our salvation in Christ Jesus. And if it is not reflective if, it, if we happen to find that we have failed to, in some area, whatever it may be, and you know, and you must know, you know for yourself, I'm not here to judge you, but you are equipped as a Christian. You are equipped to check your own life. You're equipped to find out those areas that you know for a fact, based upon God's word, that you are sinning against God. And according to God's word, especially 1 John 1, 9, we confess our sins unto him, trusting that he is faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins, to cleanse us, as it were, from all our sins. We must do this. This was the problem with the Christians in Corinth. We see this, especially if you move up a little bit, you see uh, in verse 20, Paul, he's speaking to those members, the church members, those who consider themselves united with Christ. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper 
Is it not the Lord's supper you eat? For as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anybody else. One remains hungry, another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? What's his response? Certainly not. No. He's rebuking them for their behavior before taking the Lord's Supper. So the message is clear. We too, we have to be careful how we take the Lord's Supper. We want to be careful on how we take the Lord's Supper. We want to rightly prepare ourselves before taking the Lord's Supper. Point number two. Because the Lord's Supper is God's sacred institution, God encourages the sacred use of the Lord's Supper. Now, the implication of our text is that the Lord's Supper is for the penitent church. Why is that? Well, Paul goes on, verse 23, as we read earlier, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night, he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We have before us the Lord Jesus himself instituting the Lord's Supper. Now, this is an echo of the Gospels, the evangelists of the Gospel writers and, and the books of, I'm confident, I'm Matthew. And so he's basically what he's doing is he has received this message and it is, it is believed that he has not only, he has received this message inspired by the Holy Spirit. But these are the very words that the Lord Jesus and the evangelists themselves have written that the Lord Jesus said himself. And that's why you probably in your, 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 uh, your Bibles, your interpretation, whatever it may be, you'll see that in quotes being the, the words of the Lord Jesus himself. So he's institute, he has instituted this, 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 this event, this institution, um, this, the Lord's Supper, this event is, is something that we as a church body must do. And not only must we do it, but when we do it, we do it in remembrance of him. We flex on, first of all, let's begin with the bread. The bread. The bread is the body of Christ, which was broken, that is, which was crucified for our sins. So he rightly took that, I mean, the bread is, the bread is, is, a, is a great example of our Lord Jesus, his body broken for our transgressions. Now, this bread, I got to admit, it, it, it has caused me to reflect on the, the various churches that I've, you know, I've partake, I've taken, um, or I should, I should say that I have participated in the Lord's Supper. 
And, you know, some churches, you know, when they, they have the bread, when they serve the bread, they're served in little chunks like this, about this size. I'm wondering who cut those little chunks like that. I, I don't know, but there's many of them. And you have to, you know, you reach in and you take a little piece, whatever, and then they pass around these little cups, which is about that size, a thimble size. And I'm wondering who poured, can you imagine, I mean, and especially a church like that I'm a member of, it's like any one time it's about over 500 to 1,000 members in this church, and you know, they're pouring all these, wow, oh, man, that takes a lot of work. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going down rabbit trail here, but I wanted someone to bring it back. But I just want to let you know that the bread that they're talking about here, uh, it, you know, it, it is believed by scholars that it, the bread is, is, is round or is either oblong, and it's about a thumb, about a thumb in um, thickness and, you know, in size. So, you know, he, you know, when he was, on that night when the Lord Jesus was passing that bread around, that was a nice chunk of bread. Okay, so it's something that you, you know, when by the time it got to you, you were probably salivating and, you know, let's get on with it, you know, kind of thing. You know, it's, it's smelling, the smell was there and everything. So, but anyways, I share that with you to, to, to help you understand that this is the body of our Lord. This is the body of our Lord. And that's what we want to be thinking about. We want to think about, you know, how he gave of himself. For us. That is, that is the grace of God. And that's what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about the grace of God here. So when you receive this bread, you should be thinking about the grace of God. But listen, he did what we should have, what should have happened to us. But the problem is, is that we would never be able to withstand the judgment of God. The full judgment of God. There's no way we would be able to withstand that. That's why he is, Jesus is God. He had to be God in order to withstand the punishment of God. But he had to also be fully man in order to stand within our place and to receive the punishment which we rightly deserve. Amen? So, you know, again, when we partake of this Lord's Supper, let us keep that in mind. Let's move on to point number three. Because the Lord's Supper is God's sacred institution, penitent Christians, I don't know if I made that clear earlier, but penitent Christians, because we don't want to be like, again, the example that was given there. Some of them were even getting drunk. Now, what does that say about our Lord's sacrifice? Getting drunk before taking the Lord's Supper. That doesn't seem to me to honor, honor what he has done. So let us, let us also keep in focus that, you know, as we're partaking of this, let us reflect on the Ten Commandments, maybe. I'm just suggesting, I'm not saying you have to do this, but I'm suggesting think about the Ten Commandments and why they were given, was given to us as a schoolmaster to, to teach us about our sinfulness before God. And our need for repentance. Our need for a Savior. And that Savior, again, is Jesus Christ. Rightly, penitent Christians rightly administer the Lord's Supper. That's, that's all part of it. It's all part of the, 
all part of the, the, the event. It's all part of the event, preparing ourselves. Now, I don't want to make it an issue on what kind of bread you should serve or what kind of bread you should give or anything like that. But I do recommend that it should be that which is worthy of our Lord's sacrifice. It should be that which would honor our Lord. Some churches, they... I've been in churches where they have half grape juice, another half wine, or all wine. It all depends. I, you know, I, I don't want to debate that here. I don't want to go into, you know, why, which one is better or anything like that. But that's just some things to be thinking about. You know, what truly honors God? Uh, I'm sure the Holy Spirit, which has been given to each and every one of us, he will convict our hearts and lead us in the direction that we should go. So, um, for penitent Christians... Again, we confess our sins, but I think it is highly recommended that we confess our sins before participation in the Lord's Supper. Born again believers, forbid the improper use of the Lord's Supper. I have been in churches where they do what they call fencing the table. I have to admit, the first time that happened to me, I was a bit taken back by it. It was definitely a, a sort of a culture shock to me. But you know what? Afterwards, and after careful reflection, especially after going through this study, I have to admit, you know what? There, there's, there's, there seems to be some valid reason there for that. I haven't yet fully studied it. I haven't yet fully gone into it and, and to accept it. But I have to admit, I respect that minister, that pastor of that church for doing that. I respect him for, you know truly guarding the Lord's Supper. And I think he's, you know, in a real way, he might just, that, that, that sort of method might be right on track. Because it's keeping others from what Paul talks about elsewhere, from bringing judgment upon themselves. I mean, that's, it talks about that in, our, in, in the same passage. It's a very serious event. But again, it's for the purpose of remembering our Lord. Remembering our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage you to participate. I want to encourage you to participate as frequently as often. Often, Some churches might do it one month. Other churches might do it, uh, you know, every week. And we are, those are some issues that we have to we have to think about on how often we should do it. Personally, I think once a week would be great because, again, it, it brings us into, a, into, into the presence of our Lord. The Lord's Supper is a means of grace from God. It's, it, it's, it's a means through which God actually brings us by the power of the Holy Spirit into his presence. And we get to... We get to Taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen? Not only that, listen, brothers, I'm here to tell you that this is an event that truly blesses us. It truly blesses us. 
and is joined with the Word of God. Okay, you know, again, the Word of God, the Word of God, the Lord's Supper, they both go together. I mean, Lord, the Word of God by itself can, I mean, it's, it's a means of grace that is more than sufficient enough, even just by itself. But separate by itself, you know, just, you know, just the Lord's Supper without the Word of God, you know, it, it just don't work. So, you know, again, I got I to gotta make that clear too. It's both, both together. And that's why when we do it, we'll have both. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. Yes, sir. So let us close and let us keep in mind the following key points. Remember that according to point number one, because the Lord's Supper is God's sacred institution, God forbids any profane use of the Lord's Supper. That is, we must prepare ourselves and we must use it rightly. Because the Lord's Supper is God's sacred institution, God encourages the sacred use of the Lord's Supper. This is his means of grace to us, to the church, through which he feeds us by the power of his Holy Spirit. It's a sanctifying process. Weekly, monthly, whatever you choose. Because the Lord's Supper is God's sacred institution, Christians rightly administer the Lord's Supper. It is our responsibility to rightly administer it, to rightly give of that which is from God and encouraged by his word. Amen? Let us pray. Lord God, Father in heaven, thank you for your word this morning. May his hearers and listeners be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen.